Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. I want to look at a passage of Scripture. I could actually have chosen many, but I believe this one fits where we're at. It's in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and it begins to speak of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To some people that expression is very mystical and removed. But filled with the Spirit means to have a life that is permeated uh, with, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in actual fact, in the New Testament, that is being a Christian. Uh, Romans 8 says that if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so this is the beginning of what happened when we came to Christ and our life ever expands in this awareness, this presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And so in verse 18 he speaks of it. He says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs or songs given by the Holy Spirit, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Okay, that is a very brief um, summary. I, I could say one dynamic aspect of what being filled with the Spirit is. And if you noted, every word there is to do with praise in some way or another, speaking to yourself in psalms. And so taking the psalms and making them your very own, your, your own means of giving praise to God. And then uh, songs given by the Spirit, uh, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, a life of extreme joy, that indeed is what being filled with the Spirit is. And then it says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. It's that last verse that I want to take special note of. You see, if there is one subject that fills the entire Bible, it is the subject of praise. Uh, the, the number of words in the Old Testament that describe praise, by which I mean they're different words, but they, they show all various aspects of praise. As there are so many facets to a diamond, so these different words in the Old Testament are, are flashes of meaning of, of this, what becomes, in fact, the very lifestyle of the believer giving praise to God. And this word thanksgiving is one of those words in the Old Testament. But when we come into the New Testament, the, the great number of words is not there, or it's echoed there, but the words are not there. They come really 
under one great big umbrella word, and that is thanksgiving. And so in the New Testament, when we read this, we bring into this word, under its umbrella, all the various aspects of giving thanks and praise to God that fill the Old Testament. Let me say it again, the believer, you and I, according to Scripture, we are characterized, we are marked off by the Holy Spirit filling us, infusing our lives, opening our eyes, and causing us to bring forth praise to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, and it says, in everything and at all times. Let me put a quick aside there. That doesn't mean that we go around uh, just saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We know those kind of people, and um, they're, they're missing the point. Praise is an attitude toward life. Praise is a seeing God in all things. And I may speak about that in language that the whole world understands, language of hope, language of joy, language of peace, and it comes out through my mouth. You could say that praise, the attitude of praise, uh, causes slander, gossip, complaining, whining, victim mentality, all of that is washed out of my mouth because all of that is anti-praise. And so my language reflects my seeing of God in all things. So we're looking at this word thanksgiving, the umbrella word that takes in all aspects of praise. Now, thanksgiving. Let me just say this, it's important, and I might actually have said it before. It, when, when, when the New Testament speaks of thanks to God, it is not the equivalent of our English uh, saying thank you. You know, when, when uh, someone gives you something or does something for you, then my response is thank you. Well, that's not exactly the equivalent to this. In fact, uh, in certainly in the Old Testament, if someone did something for you, your response would not be this word. It would not be giving thanks. Your response to something would be, I bless you. That would be more equivalent to our saying thank you. Um, this word, giving thanks, is not so much because someone has given something to you, Rather, it is giving thanks for who the person is. It's giving thanks for their being. It's giving thanks because of who they are as a person. And so when we give thanks to God, we are not primarily saying thank you for this or thank you for that. We are rather standing before the revelation that God has given to us of himself. And we're looking at who he is, and all we can do is say thank you. Thank you for being the God you are. And so we thank God for his character, shall we say. We're thanking God, let me say it again, just for being who he is. And who he is expressed in his works. 
the the knowing of God is not because we we've studied uh, a theological tome that told us who God is. Rather, in the Scripture, He is continually revealing Himself to us in what He does, His works, His acts of love toward us. We discover who He is, and then along with that, we discover who God is in the promises that he makes and they are vast promises they are incredible promises and we discover as we look at the promises we say the God that made these promises and we we discover who he is and ultimately of course the final revelation of who God is the word that sums up the being of God is, is Jesus and so in all things give thanks it means that we stand in awe there's a certain speechlessness as we really take in who God is you know um, I've never seen there's nothing in creation that can be an equivalency to him Um, there's nothing my imagination can't go that far I stand before the revelation, the self-revelation. God has told us about himself. And finally comes himself in Jesus to reveal who he is to us. And we stand in awe, in wonder, and we never really get over it. We're unable to say anything except thank you. Thank you for being who you are. I said this word thanksgiving is to be found in the Old Testament as one of the many words that that speak of praise. And in the Old Testament, it specifically has a meaning attached to it of, and the meaning is to confess. To give thanks is to confess. Now, do you know what confess means? Um... For many, 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 many people, confess means um, that you wail and whine before God to tell him all the bad things you've done and what a sorry wretch you are. Well, that is an invention of religion, and I could give you a date when they invented it. Um, The word confess, it is a Latin word, so really in Europe we should know better. The word confess, uh, the Latin word con means with, and, and, and fess, it, it means to say with. It, it's, it, what can I say? It means to speak along with another. Say the same thing as another. It means to say together with another. Now that's interesting. To say together with. It means that I confess, that is, I say together with God who He is. So I'm not making this up, you see. I'm not trying to think of things it would be nice to say to God. I am saying with God what God says about God. He has revealed himself. The, the scripture's full of it. And I say again, Jesus embodies that. And so we say together with God. 
The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit in us now opens our eyes and and loosens our tongue and our hearts and we say, we say with God who God is and we declare with God what God has done. And therefore, and get this, to confess means that having confessed who God is and what he's done, I then confess with God who he says I am. Now that's, that's where for some people it gets a little hairy because um, that they have been taught by their forefathers to grovel and to think of themselves as absolute nothings. When we confess, we include all that God says of himself, all that he has done, and therefore all that we discover ourselves to be in the light of who God is. And so confession, thanksgiving to God, um, it, it, it dances on our tongue. We, we, the, the, this exalts us, it lifts us to seeing ourselves and being ourselves as God sees us and declares us to be. And so then, giving thanks is a response. I, I, I don't just sit down and say praise words. That's the sort of dear people that I just spoke about who who pepper and salt their conversation with praise the Lord when there's absolutely no foundation, no meaning. It's I, Sometimes I think there were people who used to curse a lot and, and now instead of cursing they've just thrown in the words praise the Lord, but which I suppose is a whole lot better, but th- there's no intention to it. There's no meaning. It's just sort of thrown in there. No, giving of thanks is a very intentional response to who God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit says that he is. So I I don't initiate praise, I just don't throw it out. It, It is a response to who God has revealed himself to be. That's a marvelous thing. God reveals himself and then through our mouth, through the sounds that come out of our voice box, we imprint history with a declaration of who he is. It's a response. Or you could say that giving thanks is faith in, what can I say, in in a, a dynamic action. You could say it's faith going forth. It's, it's, it's not just something hidden back there in your deep thoughts. It, it is, again, through your mouth, giving praise to God in a situation which is the action and the word of faith that this is who God is in this moment. Uh, that That's interesting. It, those, those of you that... Uh, understand giving praise to God you will know by experience that as you praise God in the darkest moment that you you feel yourself rising and and it's faith that is now laying hold of the reality of who God is 
or let me put it this way faith is not faith in faith it's not, it's not enough to say you've got to believe you've got to believe <laughs> yeah of course all human beings believe the, the whole matter is what do you believe in the, the whole issue of biblical faith is, is the person that your, your faith is a, is a result of seeing him and knowing him and as you see who God is in the face of Jesus Christ faith rises within you comes with the message faith when you see the greatness of God's love, when you see the limitlessness of His goodness and His kindness, you will discover your faith grows along with it. Because faith is but a response to who you see God to be. And so a life of faith is faith in His faith in who he declares himself to be or you could say our faith is faith in his faithfulness our faith is resting in who God says he is and that the greater that vision then the greater our rest and the greater our faith and if we have small faith little faith uh, well that means we we have a very small narrow vision of who God is we don't see too much of his love and we're not sure of his goodness and we're not absolutely up to snuff on his kindness you see and so the result is we're, we're, we're more fearful than we are faith because it all depends on what you see do, do you get it? it's because you know someone you trust them well, that's the same thing. You see, doubt, if I could just throw it in, uh, doubt is saying, well, I believe that God is love, I believe he's kind and good, but I think on this occasion I'm the exception to the rule that, that yes, his love has been manifest to all persons through all time, but, but uh, I, I think on this occasion there's an exception that I'm, I'm not going to get everything he said and I'm not sure that he's uh, keeping his promise to me you know there's an exception a and <laughs> that, that's doubt it's, it, it's wavering it, it, it somehow understands in some pocket of the brain that, that God is this wonderful God that he says he is but when it comes to it actually working in my life then We'll say, I'm not sure, which is saying, I think in my case there's an exception. No, you see. Let, let the Holy Spirit expand your vision of God. Let you understand who He is, and the result will be giving thanks to Him, which is faith in action in this very moment. What do we mean? God is love, for that is who He is. God is love this is very simple if you've been with me for any length of time but let me quickly go go there that that if thanksgiving is giving thanks to god for who he is then we come to those statements in scripture that are so clear that god is love god is good and, and so on it's the way god is i i said we God has revealed who he is. Well, from the very beginning of the Bible, he's revealed that he is love. Not 
human love. You know, when, when one would say love at a very human level, it, it means that because of who you are, you know, you're a nice sort of person, and, and um, you you do uh, you sort of compliment me, you uh, fit into me like a jigsaw piece or whatever. But uh, and and the human then says, "Well, I love you." You see, um, you, you're right at this moment. You're the highest. You're the best. You're the most wonderful human being I know. Um, and so because of who you are, then I'm going to express my feelings of, of love. Well, that, of course, is pretty dangerous because that me- means um, <laughs> if, if somebody better than you and more beautiful than you and higher than you comes along, then you take that. Well, you know what I mean. That, and and if, if God loves us like that, we're all finished. If God only loves the highest, most beautiful people... That, that somehow fit him perfectly like a jigsaw puzzle, then, uh, uh, well, let, let's stop this broadcast and all go home. We're finished. No, God's love, in fact, it had to find a different word for it in Scripture, which you probably know, agape. It's divine love. It's God love. And it means that in, shall I say, the heart of God, that the word I think would be better is essence, the ver- very being of God. The very, well, the heart, the, the everything that we mean by God. Not merely something he does, not merely something he feels, not merely a mood that he has. But his being, that which he cannot be other than. His being, if you took this away, he isn't. God is love. God is love. The very essence of who he is is the movement he's not passive he is ever always moving in order to unite he ever moves to embrace to himself it is love that longs and desires and intends to bring you face to face and to call you beloved. That, that's, that's who God is. It's not something he just does. Not a whim that he has. It's not something he puts on special people. It says he loved the world. Every The mass of humanity would be a better translation. For God so loved the mass of humanity every single one of us as if we were the only one the arms of God invisible arms ever seeks to draw us into his embrace to bestow upon us limitless love unconditional love to bestow upon us his goodness his kindness He looks at each one of us with compassion and desires that you be together with him. He is gentle to you. He is tender. He is kind. He is patient. And in the presence of such uniting love, there is unbegun joy and peace. And the flip side of that 
He who positively seeks to draw you to the most intimate union with himself, that same desire it is that same passion that he will go to any length to overcome any barrier that would seek to separate you from him. Which, of course, is why Jesus died and rose again. He would go that far. He would go as far as entering into our human condition in order to pursue us into the death of where we find ourselves and to bring us out. He will go to any length. He will crush any demon. He will smash the powers of darkness that would seek to hold you. That's his love. He never ceases. There's, There's never a flicker. Or as the epistle of James says, there's no shadow of turning. God is who God is. The Father is who the Father is. And the Son is who the Son is. And the Son perfectly reveals who the Father is. And the Holy Spirit perfectly reveals who the Father and the Son are. There's not three gods that have three different agendas. One God... So the Father loves you with passion and Jesus comes to show us that and talk that. And the Holy Spirit comes to put that same love that the Father has for Jesus and the Holy Spirit to put that love into you that you might feel and know that. The entire scripture would join together to say that God has one agenda and that is to be together with you. He refuses to be isolated God. If there's one sentence that goes through the Bible, you find it all over the place. It says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. That's it's one of the key phrases. What's God saying? God is saying, I refuse to be God without you. Do you understand that? He's not up there remote Supreme Court judge deity with spectacles on the end of his miserable nose looking at you to find one little thing that annoys him and irritates him no that is a God that was invented by Satan this God will not rest until you are in his arms this God will not rest until you know and experience and live in the love which he has for you this is who God is. And he taught us that, that we, we could announce it every time we met each other. Says, the Lord be with you. Or the Lord is with you. The Lord's for you. The Lord likes you. The Lord's with you, you see. And, and you might not have noticed this, but when mankind fell, that is when mankind walked away from this love and declared his faith in Satan and the lie... What does God do? I know what religion told you, but what, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, there they stand, and they're a sorry bunch. I mean, Adam, when the Lord gently asks him, what have you done? He snarls back at God and says, me done? I didn't do anything. It was that wretched woman that you gave me. 
He says, really, you're to blame for this. When he turns to the woman, her, her answer is, really, I didn't. The devil made me do it. That, that it was insolence. It, it was refusing to even begin to acknowledge that he was right and they were wrong. So what does God do with them? He stood with them against Satan and pronounced judgment on Satan and said that judgment would be accomplished by Jesus. The very first promise that Jesus would come was right there in the Garden of Eden. Do you hear what I'm saying? God did not fly into a rage at these humans that had refused to listen to him. Rather, he stood with them. That is, he loved them in their sin. He loved them when they had just said, we believe in Satan and not you. He loved them. Didn't blink. He loved them. Stood with them and said, even though you are against me, I stand with you and I will send the Deliverer who will rescue you from the darkness that now engulfs you. You should think about that for a few weeks. He came to Abraham and gave a promise that echoes all down the centuries to us. It's a sort of undergirding promise to the whole Bible. It speaks of blessing. It speaks of living in his presence. And he gave his word to Abraham. But then, a little later, he also gave a covenant oath. Now, that's interesting. God gave his word. Well, you couldn't, I mean, when God gives his word, that's really the end of the whole matter, isn't it? He's spoken, that's it. He gave his word that he would save us, he would bless us, he would be with us. But then as if that wasn't enough, he turned that word into a covenant oath. And covenant means the absolute giving of oneself to another. With a very intentional, solemn act of shedding blood by the cutting of your person and as the blood runs and you mingle bloods and you swear to give your very self to another and that you would do thus and so a covenant oath so God said it and then he took what he said and swore a covenant oath and of course when human beings make covenant they call upon God to witness well who does God call on? Scripture makes a lot of it. He said he swore by himself. Meaning God was saying, if I do not keep my word, then God will cease to exist. And in Hebrews chapter 6, right at the end of that chapter, it speaks all about this. And it says that by two immutable, unchangeable, unshakable things, two, his word and his covenant oath. And he said he gave it to us. Gave it to us. And he said he gave it to us, and in some of your Bibles it says as a consolation. Consolation is a really a poor translation for what the word means these days. 
The word means to come alongside you and infuse you with courage and strength and hope. Because God said it. He cannot go back on it. This is who he is and this is what he does. God is love. Since the beginning of time he has been seeking to draw us into himself that we might know his love. In, in Exodus 19, he spoke to his people and says, you are my special treasure, which I might have told you before, actually it could mean pocket money. It, it means that that part of my treasure that I can just delight in is mine. He says, that's who you are. And Jesus comes and I said, he is love in the flesh. He's the revelation of who God is. He's called the faithful and true witness of himself. He said, I am the truth. That is, here you've got the final word as to who God is and what God wants and where God's going. This is it. He's the faithful witness. God came from God. God inside our humanity and talked to us face to face and said, this is the truth of who God is. This is the truth of what he's doing. This is the truth of what he thinks about you. Huh. That would take a year of webinars, wouldn't it? But just for three minutes, maybe, Je Jesus spoke in parables. And I think he had to because it was so enormous, only picture language could describe it. And in there he said that you and I are to him a pearl of great price that he would sell everything to get you. He was saying God would come and get down inside being a creature human in order to lay hands upon you and bring you home. You're, you, you are the pearl of great price. He said, like a man, there was a treasure hidden in a field and he tripped on the treasure. And when he realized the field was full of treasure, he sold everything that he had to buy the field so he could have the treasure. Again, it's the same thing. God gave everything he had to lay hold upon you. Though you be buried in the dirt, he comes and brings us out with his, with his treasure. One word that was a favorite with Jesus, he spoke of, us as lost and of course the dear people that I first heard the Bible from when they said lost they, they said it well I think you had to go to Bible school to learn how to say it it was lost it, it meant it, it carried a religious sneer with it he's lost it meant he's damned he's finished he's done uh, that's not how Jesus used it when Jesus said lost, he meant it as any normal person would mean it. Something very precious. Something that you must get back. Lost. When a child is lost, you say. Child is lost. You don't say, well, the kid's damned, he's finished. No. It means we will do everything. Everybody in the village will be used to find the child. Lost. He says that the sheep was lost. The shepherd will risk his life to find the sheep. It's so precious. It's so valuable. The woman, the coin, and the father will run like an idiot 
to find the sun, fling his arms around him, crush him to himself as the most perfect picture of what God's love is. And all through those words, he says he was moved with compassion. He reaches out, his very guts are twisted with anguish. I, I cannot leave you where you are. I must have you. And that's why Jesus died, entered into our suffering and death, came exactly where we are, grabbed a hold of us and carried us out in his resurrection. Look, who is God? What's he like? Let me tell you simply, he wants you. He's passionate to have you. He doesn't love you in a remote sense. He comes right where you are into your kitchen and loves you. He is for you. He's pro you. He desires your friendship. If God be for us, said Paul, huh? if he's on our side, if he loves us even when we sin, if he loves us when we're up to our earlobes in failure and mistakes, if God be for us, then who can be against us? See, it places unlimited value upon you Unlimited. If God be love, and if that love is toward you and I, which the entire scripture witnesses to, if he desires you to be his friend, if he wants you to sit with him, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, then I would say you have value that surpasses anything this world talks of as value you have worth you are wor- you are worth the blood of Jesus to the father that's how much he wants you your significance he knows you by name he desires that you are his personal friend importance all of those words yes and yes and yes that's it fame you bet within creation we are famous for we're the only ones in creation that he joined us in order to bring us to this union this relationship with himself it's who you are See, what did I say? Giving thanks is responding to who God is and what he has done to reveal who he is and therefore who we are. Because if God is this, then we are what I just said. You are a person of supreme importance. Within the spirit world, you are famous Demons fall away from you in awe and horror. Angels look at you with wonder. Yes, I am speaking to you. You say, well, that doesn't sound very humble. (laughs) I know where you go to church. Look, 
what I just said is what the Bible means by humility. Humility is seeing myself as all about Him. And I have just declared who you are, who I am, because of who He is. Humility is speaking the truth about myself, about you. Speaking the truth as the beloved of God. Pride, pride has no knowledge of Him and seeks to find their value and worth and importance and significance in themselves. And so the only way they know to do it, the only way Satan has ever taught them, is to put down everybody else. Crush everybody else to make me look important. And when you've done anything at all to say, look, I did this. Pride abuses and victimizes others in order to establish itself. That is a big difference. Humility is speaking the truth within the love of God. It's seeing myself in the light of God loves me. That's giving thanks. Giving thanks to God is standing in awe, speechlessness of, of who He is. I say that because I can hardly wrap my tongue around this. It really is too good to be true, but it's the only truth there is. Stand in awe of who this God really is what he's really done in Jesus Christ, and therefore what he's really made us to be, and who therefore we are because of who he is. You see, back there in the Garden of Eden, that original lie, lie, body of words, that were all deceitful, misleading, misinterpreting, twisting, distorting words that vomited darkness wherever they went. The lie. The lie that blinded and distorted us to who God really was. Come on. You, you know this. You, you've experienced it. The lie that that God is not love. If he is love, he's not always love. There's another side to God. I heard a preacher say that. Huh. Yeah. There's a dark side to God. And, and, and you just got to trip up, say the wrong word, and suddenly he'll flame out of you. And That's the lie. The lie that distorts God. Putting dirt and mud on the beautiful face of God's love distorting that face and says that really he's the judge that's watching you he, he's the, the one is always annoyed with you is always irritated that's, that's what the lie did and well if that's who he is and if he rejects me because of who I am that produces in me a certain kind of a lifestyle that fits in with that and so 
mankind in sin or in the lie, they cannot hear the song of God's love. They cannot hear the joy notes of God's love. It's like competing on the voice or American Idol, but you're tone deaf. That'd be a, wouldn't it? <laughs> but that, that's it. You, you can't hear. You can't hear what God is saying. You've been stri- stricken tone deaf by the lie. And, and, and therefore, you're, you're singing another... Well, you're not. It's a screech. It, it is, it's not a song. You, you've missed the song. You're totally off-key. You see God as He is not. You're afraid of a God that you invented with the help of Satan. And it's very interesting in Romans 1 where it speaks of this. It says that the very first thing that happened after the fall of man in that lie was that he no longer gave thanks. Isn't that amazing? It's the first, first, the primal expression of the lie. Man stopped giving thanks. Why? Well, yeah. (laughs) I said... We give thanks because of who God is. If we don't see who God is, if we've got a distorted image, we can't. I cannot thank God for being the annoyed, irritated, miserable person who wants to damn me in hell and say thank you. No. I say thanks. Giving of thanks along with faith is because of who God is and he reveals himself to me. And so based on this miserable thing that came out of the Garden of Eden, it suddenly becomes all about me instead of the truth which is all about him. But now it's all about me. I've got to try to convince God that given the right opportunity, I'll really try, I I, I will be lovable. Really, I I, I can do things that make... you, You can love me. I... I know I've been a wretched person, and and I'm sorry, but I'm going to try. That's what keeps religion in business, isn't it? I'm going to try to be good enough that you can love me, and you can be good to me. I'm never sure I'd do it, though. That's the trouble. That's why religion is just an endless circle of saying sorry, sorry, sorry. That's why the very heart of religion says, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm no good. Because I'm trying to please a God who's already determined he doesn't like me. The truth is that he is seeking with unlimited holy passion to convince me that he's only good and he loves me just as I am. And so we meet with this good God, we meet with love, we meet with the very source of thanksgiving in the Lord Jesus. And faith, the beginning of faith is that, what is that, almost timid. It's, 
we, we, we timorously say thank you but it's beginning you see what what is say what 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 is it to be say if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord have you ever thought of that confess with your mouth that is give thanks that's the meaning of the word confess say together with God what God says about himself and God says about Jesus and therefore what he says about you I give thanks I say so and in that moment the the lies and the darkness and the distortion of God lost in the blazing light of who he is we confess we say the same thing with him we we, we align with him huh. that's what it means to go to confession <laughs> go to confession is to stand in the presence of God and say thank you for being who you are thank you for who you have made me in and through Jesus Christ Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, of course, when you give thanks, you do it with words. I mean, that's pretty obvious. I guess what I'm saying is you don't just think it. This isn't something that's silent in your mind, that's lost among 10,000 other thoughts. No, we give thanks with words. We say it. Actually, um, in, in right up through the New Testament and beyond by some hundreds of years, people did not silently read, nor did they silently pray or praise. They always spoke it out. That came later on when people could do that silently. And, and, and therefore, speaking it out, you, you are sending forth the energy of sound right out of your heart into your world and that sound also is heard through your ear and vibrates through your entire body oh yeah there's a lot to be said for speaking it out with tongue with voice box and in James the book of James you read it there is it chapter 3 I believe where, where it speaks of your tongue as you speak it is the rudder of your life and a rudder you know a little tiny thing at the back of the boat but as it turns so turns the whole boat no wonder it says in Proverbs life and death are in the power of the tongue no wonder Jesus said the words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life Yeah, Philippians 2 says, Every tongue shall confess, that is, speak out thanksgiving to God, say with God the truth. Every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, our words, these words of thanksgiving to God, declaring in the midst of our life, our mundane, ordinary life, confess who he is confess what he's made us and therefore who we are in this situation 
It opens a path of life through the darkness. It opens up life. Darkness unravels before the words of praise and thanksgiving in our lips. And as we give thanks to God, declaring who He is, they are creative words. They bring what is invisible into the visible. Do you get it? In everything, give thanks. In everything, in everything. As I said a moment ago, the mundane, the ordinary, so that that ordinary and mundane becomes a blaze with the glory of God. It's like the burning bush with Moses. The, the desert where Moses was looking after his sheep, there were these bushes, tough little bushes that could cling to life out there in the desert and put their roots down in the crack of a rock and that they could withstand the extreme heat and cold. They're very ordinary, scraggly little desert bushes. And one of them blazed with a fire that was the very presence of God the presence of God seen in its mundaneness, in its ordinariness, in actually its insignificance. I mean, there's so many bushes like that scattered through the desert. But this one blazed with glory. I often think of that. Your life, my life, our situations, they are so ordinary, so common to humans. Yet, what the whole gospel is about is that the glory of God fills this circumstance I'm in, fills this life I'm living surrounds me, fills me upholds me and he is the light that, that appears to be the flames of the fire because it's the fire of love and it says he, the, the bush burned but was never consumed the leaves never turned in fact it was nourished by the presence of the fire of life that is you you know I sit here and talk to you week after week I talk to you I'm not talking just to the general world out there I am speaking specifically to each, each of you. This is you. And I, and I know that for the most part, you would describe yourselves as an insignificant bush in the desert of this world. Well, yeah, yeah. That's where the burning bush happened. And Paul speaks of himself as we have this treasure in earthen vessels which is a very poetic way of saying that the presence of God in Jesus Christ living in us by the Holy Spirit is in the old cracked clay pot of our bodies. Do you not know that your body is the temple, the place where the Shekinah glory of God dwells? It's who you are, you know. And, and we be who we are. We express who we are. We actualize who we are in the giving of thanks. Well, 
I, I could go on. I think I might go on next week because there's quite a bit to say about how this works out in, in everyday life. But I trust you've got what this means. Let me, let me read it again. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs given by the Spirit, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So yeah, there's a lot more to say about that verse. Really all I've done is define what it means to give thanks. So we'll be back here. But I've given you enough tonight that you can begin what for many of you will be a brand new journey, a brand new way of life to spend the rest of your days passing your whole life through praise to God and seeing him in you, seeing him in all things and knowing that you are caught up inside his love which is enough to stand in awe and say thank you. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, his blessing rest upon you, opening your eyes wide to see the love, the goodness, the kindness, the tenderness of this God toward you and fill your mouth with praise and thanksgiving. So I bless you, and that is the way it is.